Life is often so busy, taking us here, there, seemingly everywhere. When you aren't able to make it to church, we hope you are fed and nourished by listening to the preaching of God's Word wherever you are at the moment. In the meantime, take care, and God bless. Be a disciple, make a disciple. It's the pattern of life for a Christian. The word disciple is not one that we hear very often today. When some people hear the word, they think of the disciples, the initial followers of Jesus who were talked about in the Bible, who have since passed. Others understand that a disciple is still a follower of Jesus, but they get a little uncomfortable when it comes to talking about being a disciple themselves. When invited to help teach about faith in Sunday school or confirmation, both of which are examples of discipleship, responses often go something like this. I'd love to, but I just don't know how to do that. Or, I've never been trained for that. Or, I'm just not good at that kind of stuff. There are more, but the point is that there is a lot of reluctance on the part of many to do this kind of work willingly. There is a hesitancy to say yes to discipleship. Because how we feel about ourselves often starts with things where we feel competent. If we don't feel competent about something, we would rather quit before we start. So let's go back to what Jesus told his disciples. He told them to go. Basically, he was instructing them to simply be in people's lives because it's all about connecting with people. Something we all do at one time or another, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally. And the people we connect with, sometimes they're strangers and sometimes they're friends. Sometimes they're family members or maybe the neighbor down the street or even the people we work with. And connecting with them isn't for the purpose of a preachy conversation. They are people who pre-appreciate and look forward to a friendly smile or a kind word, which is just about anyone. They are also people who sometimes need no words at all. They only need to know that someone cares about them. They might need a meal, or someone to listen to their stories about pain or grief. Maybe they need just a little help around the house or someone to take them to a doctor's appointment. Whatever the circumstances, these are moments to go, to connect, and they are starting points for the work and world of discipleship. When those moments present themselves, you have an opportunity to be who you are, a person who loves Jesus, a person who lives out your faith in the things that you do, a person who has no agenda in that work other than to convey a faith that knows God is with you and that God loves you always, a person who will put someone else's life ahead of their own. As I thought about some of these traits, it seemed like there are a lot of similarities between what Jesus is talking about and the life of a mentor. There's a movie that came out in 2013 called Gravity. The story is fiction, but it does demonstrate what discipleship is about. The movie is about a crew of astronauts whose shuttle is irreparably damaged by the result of debris from a, a satellite, a Russian satellite, that exploded. 
When the debris hits the shuttle, all but two crew members are killed. The two remaining astronauts are the captain, Matt Kowalski, played by George Clooney, and its medical engineer, Dr. Ryan Stone, played by Sandra Bullock. When disaster strikes, Kowalski takes the lead. He knows what it needs to be done if they are going to have any chance of surviving at all. And he works with his disciple, and he is firm with her, but he also encourages her. When her efforts are successful, he praises her, and he finds ways to give her signs of hope. This encouragement and this support from her, from her mentor, gives Stone what she needs to stay cool under pressure. She's willing to listen, she is willing to trust, and she is willing to learn from her mentor rather than quit or give up. Eventually, a mentor and his or her student will need to separate to give the student a chance to do or to become what they are capable of. When Kowalski realizes that only one of them is going to survive, he literally severs the connection between them. Without being willing to cut loose, the disciple could never grow into his or her potential. At the same time, in a rather unique way, the mentor does linger. Kowalski will never really leave the heart of stone in that he has changed her life forever. This is what life as a disciple looks like. Carefully guiding, instructing, and always encouraging. It's shared trust and faithfulness, and in that work, lives are changed. Discipleship is a way of living and a way of doing things differently because of Jesus. At the same time, the Christian life is expensive. It asks a lot from us. Like anything worth doing, the discipleship, discipleship takes time and energy and work and practice. In other words, it does take sacrifice. And even then, it also requires a little help from the Holy Spirit. And in the end, you really might never know the impact that you may have had on a person's life. This past week, we celebrated the graduation of 32 children from our early learning program. Pastor Matthew's own daughter, Dorothy, was one of those little graduates. Throughout their time in our program, these children had teachers who cared for them, who guided them, who taught them. In other words, they loved them. And once a month, they would come up here to have chapel time with me in the sanctuary. And together, they would hear stories from me about Jesus and his love and what his love is all about. And even as good and wonderful as the teachers they had really are, they will never truly know the extent to which they have made a difference in the lives of these little children. They will simply have to trust that. During our last chapel time this year, we talked about how much the children had learned and how much they had grown in this past year. That soon some of them would be going to a new school and they would learn new things. But I also reminded them that they would, as much as they will still have to learn, they now are also teachers. They would be able to teach others about what they learned in, 
at St. Andrew about Jesus, about love, about kindness, about taking care of one another. At different times in our lives, we are all teachers, and at other times, we are all learners. The cycle of life for the Christian community is an unending process of going into the world, of being disciples, and of making disciples, of teaching them and baptizing them as Jesus has taught, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then going out and doing it again and again. Teaching is never a one-way street. Everyone who has worked with these children has learned a lot about them, what makes them laugh, what makes them sad, what love looks like and feels like for them. And we are reminded over and over again through the words and actions of these little children just how important that work is for all of us, the teachers and the students. While their parents brought them to St. Andrew to learn and to be cared for, those of us who worked with them learned a lot about life and love through them. This, too, is the work of discipleship. I would never claim that the work of making disciples is an easy task, nor is there any assurance that we will be able to see the fruits of our labor. But that's not why we do it. We do this work because our faith moves us to do it. We do this work out of love for the neighbor. We do this work because people know, need to know that they are loved. It doesn't matter how old they are, or where they live, or how rich or how, how poor they are. We do this to do what we can to ensure that our children and our neighbor's children will have a, a faith that will be passed on from one generation to the next. Back in November, there was a story in Gather Magazine. It was published by the ELCA, which is a good demonstration of how our work will carry forward into the lives of future generations. The author, Megan Johnson Alaboni, and her spouse had taken a group of young adults to Jerusalem and to the West Bank as a part of the ELCA's Young Adult Global Mission Program. One of the students, whose name was Olivia, stayed with a Palestinian Lutheran host. While there, Olivia had noticed a garden that was tended by her host family. On one side of the garden, there was a cluster of small, tiny trees. You could tell they had recently been planted. On another side of the garden, there were big, tall, mature trees, and they were bearing fruit. So Olivia asked, how long would it take before these smaller trees begin to bear fruit? And they told her that it would take as long as 10 to 20 years. She was surprised by that, and then the host responded by offering a saying that had been passed down in their family for generations. The saying was this, we plant, our children eat. Then she explained that the trees that had grown up now and were bearing fruit had been planted by generations before them. Our work of making disciples is much like the work demonstrated by these, by these gardens. We plant seeds, we teach, we make disciples, and we do it again and again and again. And this work will continue for the sake of generations to come. 
we plant and our children eat. Whether we realize it or not, everything we do points toward the future. This is what faith looks like in an ordinary life. We follow a recipe and have faith that a cake will come out of the oven. We walk, the walk signs blink at us, and we cross the road, trusting that we are going to make it to the other side safely. We have faith that trees we plant will grow and bear fruit, and that the next generation will be fed. And we don't only wait and wish for these futures. We walk toward them and work toward them. We talk of building and creating and securing futures, yet we don't know that any of these things we imagine will come to pass, but we place our hope and trust in the possibilities that they will. The future is at the heart of God's promises because promises deal with things that are not yet but will be. Jesus gives us a foundation toward living to the future. The words from Matthew, known as the Great Commission, were spoken to those who believed that they were standing face to face with the risen Christ. But we are told that there are also some present who doubted. For Matthew, doubt is not an obstacle to the, to the discipleship, but it is an element of it. We all struggle to understand sometimes how God works or why God appears to not be working at other times. Because we believe about, because what we believe about God and what we see happening in our world today don't always align. And so we wonder. And so sometimes there is doubt. Earlier this week, I made a trip to the grocery store. I took my groceries out of the cart to set them out on the conveyor for the cashier. And as I did, I had a jar of salsa in my hand and I bumped the edge of the conveyor and the jar fell to the ground. It broke open and created a huge mess. There was salsa everywhere. As I looked up at the young cashier, she was already on her way around over to help me clean it up. And before I knew it, there were three more people there to help me clean. And then I looked up and here came a young man. Mask was still on. He had a big smile on his face. I could see through it. And he was nervous. He had the mop and the bucket. And he said to me, I've never done this before. And I turned to him and I said, that's okay. I've never done this before either. But that crew of young employees were the kindness and most helpful people I could have hoped for, leaving me to feel a lot less embarrassed about the incident and very grateful for their mentors and their teachers. Now compare that to an experience I had about a year ago at a nursery up north. I had filled a cart with plants. One of the pots was on the front lower edge of the cart. It was a little shaky, but it was, it was pretty solid. As I approached the cashier, I saw that I would have to take my cart over a series of hoses to check out. I hoped that I would be able to navigate that, but I wasn't so lucky. The jerk from going over the hose shook the pot enough to cause it to fall forward onto the ground, spewing dirt and plants everywhere. As I walked to the front of the cart to figure out how I was going to put things back together, I looked up and saw one of the employees look at me and she just rolled her eyes. She was clearly annoyed by what had happened, and I was twice embarrassed. 
It's true that what God wants for this world and what we sometimes experience don't always line up. The impression we leave with others can be impacted by the way we behave in uncomfortable and sometimes inconvenient circumstances. Knee-jerk reactions to unwelcomed events in our lives can be hurtful. Thoughtful support and compassion can be the medicine that heals. Yes, there were doubters in the crowd that day, but Jesus doesn't seem to worry about that. He gave them the same command that he gives to everyone else, which means that whether we are in moments of great faith and trust or moments when we have doubt, Matthew puts us all on the mountain with Jesus and calls all of us to go. Much has changed since Jesus spoke these words, but much also remains the same. We are called to make disciples everywhere. And Jesus' love will lead us across the boundaries to do that. But it's also important to remember that God does not call us to make others just like us. We are called to move beyond our own world, our own worldview, and to encounter the whole world to which Jesus came, and to be disciples, and to make disciples. God's love and grace is not going to be limited by the boundaries or borders, by our hesitancies, or by our incompetence. So I invite you to go. Go make disciples everywhere. I know it sounds like a daunting task, but I think you're up to it. Because here's the thing. You know more about this work than you think you do. You have had plenty of training through your own life experiences and the life experiences of your friends. You know who Jesus is. You know what it means and how it feels to be loved unconditionally. And you know a few things about compassion and grace and forgiveness. And you are better at this than you ever give yourself credit for. Finally, it's not all up to you. You're going to have some help because Jesus will go with you in that work. So if by any chance you are thinking that this work isn't for you. Please, think again. Amen. We hope you found this week's message helpful as you think about how you will live out your faith each day. If you would like to support the ministries at St. Andrew Lutheran Church, you can do so by having your credit card information available and then texting a gift to 952-260-9007. 